You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Helen Farmer with you on today's episode of Farmer's Kitchen in conversation with superstar chef Jose Pizarro about all things Spain. Bringing it back to the UAE, the man behind some of the best loved brands at the Rickus Group, Chef Gilles. We had Dan, food writer Dan, talking about high-end dining, cheap comfort food and some of our favourite entertainment on the food front too. Meeting the father and son team behind the pizza joint that's sweeping the nation, Marmalata, and inviting you on a supper club with a difference. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're heading to our nation's fair capital now and talking about a father-son pizza joint that has truly taken the UAE by storm. Rag Dastani is with us today from Abu Dhabi Institution Marmalato, a pizza joint that started serving up just one night a week, but... The demand got too much. They're joining us live on Zoom from what looks like a busy afternoon. How's it going, Raj? Hi, uh, you legend, you. Thanks for having us. Great to have you with uh, us. Now, it's me that should be interviewing you for doing all these crazy things, not us. <laughs> our, our, we're a tiny little restaurant. You're amazing. We love you. I love you too, good. And I tell you what, my husband told me about you guys because he works in Abu Dhabi and he's like, this is place that's open and everyone's going crazy about it. And we, ha- we have to go after work one time. So I'm really happy that we managed to pin you down. Now, awesome. I know that you are a creative, a sculptor, um, but what about that foodie uh-huh. background, Raj? Tell us about your experience in that space before you opened up the pizza place. Random, right? So I love food. I love to eat more than anything. I grew up in restaurants. I ran big restaurants in New York for donkey's years. And then uh, my wife's a physician. We're living in New York. I'm raising a family. We had these two boys. Where are they, these two boys? And it feels like you don't know them. Do you know what I mean? Growing up in a city and working with food, my wife's a physician. So we moved to Colorado. We moved to the mountains. We opened a little jam company because fruit goes everywhere in Colorado. Hang on, it's so, a really big agriculture. Yeah, it's slow amazing. down. You opened up a jam company, like jam, jam. Like, like, like like jelly, like jam. Yeah, like jelly. It's okay. the most like uh, unthreatening job in the world as a man in food that makes jam. And so it's like you walk into anyone and they're like, "What are you doing?" It's like I'm a jam maker. So all the barriers go go flying down. So it's great. <laughs> So, yes, so random, we had a jam company. It kept my toe in the water making food and allowed me to work with my boys. And then we moved here 10 years ago. The, the boys got a little bigger. I wanted to open something that, uh, you know, kids that work in this country. Mm-hmm. And mom, good mom, you're the mom that's uh, the super mom. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, I wanted to open something that uh, would allow my kids to work. And I found this little corner of Abu Dhabi, the last slice of old Abu Dhabi. The, the space that we're in used to be, uh, when we took it, it was a... Storage unit. So we took it off the guy's storage unit. We put the water in. We put the electricity in. We opened one day a week because my kids were in school. And so it just made sense. Uh, and we didn't grow from there because uh, the genesis of it was I wanted to work. I wanted them to work. And I wanted, as a dad, to work with them. So we kept it as one day. It got really popular. Um, you, you and then make, COVID you, came. You make it sound so simple. We started one night a week. It, you, you realize it's quite an extraordinary thing to go from having, you know, family pizza nights at home to going, well, let's just open a space so my kids can learn the value of money. Like, that's that's pretty extraordinary to me. What was it like at the beginning? How did word start getting out about Marmalata? There were two guys, right? So Hussein Al-Musawi, who is now, I believe, the editor of National Geographic Middle East, Hussein is an Italiophile. He's a gourmand. He's a great eater. 
his his wife owns to the moon and back in uh, in Dubai, mm-hmm. Zainab, who's brilliant. And so somehow we came across their radar. He came around. They go to Italy a lot, and they love to eat, and they're they're brilliant, brilliant people. So he came around. He loved this space, and he asked, could he come back and do a story on us, right? And so he's a he's an amazing photographer. He's documented the entire city. So he came and he spent an hour with us and he took these this series. It's on one of his stories, right, on Instagram. So he did a set of, of photographs that were brilliant. He told the story. And I think that propelled us a little bit. And then there's a guy, another guy called Hazza Al-Hajari, who's um, an engineer. Now he works for Adnoc. Then he worked at the Zayed Museum. And so he's driving around this neighborhood, which was pretty derelict at the time. And he walks in and there's me making dough, which doesn't make sense to him. And he says, what are you doing? And I say, blah, 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 making dough and blah, 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 and pizza, blah, blah, blah. And he says, hold a minute. Can I, can, can, I'm going to go outside and come back. Will you tell me again? So, yeah, that's kind of weird, but yeah. whatever, dude. So he goes outside and he comes back in, but he's holding his phone. And he says, he asked me the same question. What are you doing? And I give him the same answer, blah, blah, blah. And so, uh, you know, these two guys were really pivotal. And so, like, I associate a lot of our commercial success to them because they really broadcast their deep emotion for us and it just resonated with the right people so the fact that we were open one night a week uh became a self-selecting audience the fact that we were busy there was a line you could rock up and you could see the line and go i'm not waiting in that line or you could rock up and be like yeah that line's cool and so it turned out that the line was full of really interesting people so the line as an organism became really great so we'd get these emails that were that would say you know we came we waited in line for 40 minutes by the time we got to you most of the food was gone what we got was pretty good, but it wasn't really what we wanted. But I met the most amazing people. And turned out the guy behind me was so-and-so, and the guy in front of me was so-and-so, and my kids had the best time. And, and so it just it, it grew from that. But it's really about the neighborhood and us building this into a neighborhood um, and the people that, that like were willing to wait in line and mm-hmm. make friends with each other. Raj is with us from Marmalato. Now, it is a really competitive space, Raj Pizzas. Can you explain the DNA of your pizza? You know, what's it all about, whether it is toppings, dough, what happens before you even get to the oven? You're a rock star. That's, that's, the, that's the most interesting thing, right? Because it's not New York style. It's not Neapolitan style. Um, there have been a couple of people to say that, and I really appreciate it for that. It's really Abu Dhabi style because it's it's the food that we're making here. It's with ingredients that we find here. It's um, it's unique to this place because of the, the the data that we get back from our guests. We do only five pizza. We're open five days a week now. The We do a mushroom pizza because we've got these amazing – everybody has this amazing farm in the desert. So in Abu Dhabi, we grow – mushrooms in the desert on recycled date palm we don't but below farm does and they're they're world-class mushrooms and so they they show up with these mushrooms that are incredible so we make a mushroom pizza it's fantastic uniquely abu dhabi because the mushrooms are abu dhabi we have a friend that's got a fig farm in liwa heyel kubaisi and so her family when we reopen they come in and they bring us three kgs of figs and so we got to make a pizza with the figs so we come up with this big fig and gorgonzola pizza with pistachio and lemon sometimes we put spinata on it and again, it just lands right, you know what I mean? And it's of this place, so it really resonates with all of us. And then we have to have a pepperoni, we have to have a cheese because they're the staples. The pepperoni took, a, t- took forever to source the right one because it's halal and so it's beef, it's just a drier meat. And so most of the pepperoni that's on the market does not enough fat content, mm-hmm. so there's not enough flavor to it. So we have found a great pepperoni, we top it with a honey, we cook a honey with habanero and arbol pepper, so sweet and spicy together on the pepperoni. And then we do one other piece of that sort of like, maybe it's seasonal, Maybe it's another ingredient, since we're ingredient-driven. So that one's like the perfect pasta. 
on a pizza. So it's <laughs> olives, anchovies, artichokes. We finish it with basil and breadcrumbs and lemon oil. Oh, goodness so- me. My lunch is feeling really average now compared to what you're talking about, Raj. Um, now, tell us, you, you touched on it very briefly before. Tell us about getting through the pandemic as a small business. What impact did it have on you and, and how did you keep your head above water and, and come out what sounds like stronger? Yeah, thank you very much. It's uh, it's really interesting because what we liked, what I like most about our small business is the restaurant, the restaurant itself, like, and bringing people together. So I like to think that our food is pretty good. It's not, you know, we're not we're not trying to do anything extraordinary. We're putting the best things that come through the front door on a pizza, but mostly we're getting people to share time and space together. So pizza is really good for that. Our space was really good for that. The pandemic was really bad for it, right? Mm-hmm. So we opened in 2019, September. We closed March 2020 because we had to, government mandate. We reopened in May 2020, an online version. And it was, and, it, and so we put our heads around the idea of how do we continue to have contact with people in a contact last time. So we arrived at, we built a website on Shopify and we opened the website at 10 o'clock. So this was when Thursdays were Friday nights. So we opened the website at 10 o'clock in the morning with as much dough as we could produce. So we know as much dough we can, as we can make. Mm-hmm. And we, the website opens at 10 in the morning. And people pre-order and then they book a time slot. So they get to spend 10 minutes with us. So rather than we put it in a box and it gets delivered or a uh, transactional style business, we made people come out here and, and they did. And, and it's, it, there was a swell from that. So you, you went online, you pre-ordered it, and then you booked your slot. And then you came out and you met us and we hung out for 10 minutes. We talked about pizza or food or whatever it was. And then they drove off back to their homes to their families. And we switched from pizza to focaccia. Because focaccia, when you put it in a box, it comes out the same way. Pizza, you don't know what's going to come out of the box. And so what happened was it got really gamified. And we, so we would open at 10 o'clock. And we'd switch tabs on the computer and uh, look at Google Analytics. And there's like 150 people in line Whoa. to buy pizza on a Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. And so it's, it's, you can't see the line on the Internet, which is really interesting. I could see the line. And, of course, I'm having heart palpitations because <laughs> I know we're going to sell out. So we would sell out online really fast, and I had the next two hours on the phone apologizing and trying to get people squeezed into the next week type thing. And so it, it got us through that summer. It got us into the fall, and then it just felt like we were cooking for the fastest kids on the Internet, mm-hmm. and our audience were getting pushed further and further away. So then we stopped, and we came back. We were cooking privately for people while we waited for this to come back. And then Eldar bought all the land that we're sitting on, and Eldar renovated and cleaned it up, and that put us out of business again. Yeah. And so we grew as they renovated the space. We took the shop next to us. We blew the back wall out of ours. And we, we went from 30 square meters to what we are now, which is 80 square meters, wow. a 10-table dining room. We've got 30 seats outside. We're putting a second uh, communal table, 30 seats, a second oven outside. So we're, we're growing as we go. But, yeah, the pandemic was, it was a really interesting puzzle about bringing people together mm-hmm. in a time that you couldn't bring them together. And I think we were fairly successful at it certainly yeah. our intention was I think and yeah that, that that definitely propelled us into this it, iteration it's interesting to kind of reflect because i feel like a lot of companies and even countries will reflect on that and go do you know what we yeah. did we did amazing stuff and i'm really proud and i think a lot of people will be like oh we could have handled that better and it sounds like you know we think about yes food and carbs but it's also about that connection and it sounds like you we've had so many messages asking asking where you are by the way which we're going to come to in just a minute uh, raj is with us from marmalata i want to just lastly come back raj if you don't mind about that original mission for your son yeah. sebastian to learn about hard work we just saw him on the zoom before giving us a wave um yeah. when you think about that original purpose do you feel like that's been fulfilled and 
it's all kind of come full circle and, and even moving forwards, he's going to have a, have a part in this story? Yeah, so beyond our wildest dreams. So originally there were two. There were these two guys. So Emil's older. So originally there were the three of us, Emil and Sebastian, right? And so we opened with the three of us. And then when the pandemic came, Emil left. He went to France and learned to be a ski instructor. And then he ended up at KU Leuven in Brussels and studied. So then it became Sebastian and I. So the story that gets told is Sebastian and I. Emil's back from university, so he's back in the fold. Um, but yes, it's... Uh, I think it's really important to say that, you know, we, that mission came first. And so most of the decisions we made, they would have seemed antithetical to a business, but they supported the mission. And so as a result, Sebastian and I, we, we joked for years that we share a common group of friends that we've made at Marmalata that are 20 years younger than me and 20 years older than him. <laughs> and then they're really our friends. And so, so a lot of these people have become our family. A lot of these people we've shared day to day with and life to life with. And so that's impacted us as a family because it's given us access to a spectacularly interesting group of people. It's allowed both of these guys to fill, to fill their shoes in really interesting ways. And um, Sebastian is, what's your plan? You're going to do what next year? Hospitality. Hopefully I get to go to EHL, uh, Hospitality, Ecole de Lausanne, Hospitality University in Switzerland. Amazing. Uh, that's, that's the goal. That's the hope. Well, guys, I just want to say a huge thank you. It's so wonderful to hear like a real homegrown story that started with family. It's ended in friends and my goodness, and a whole lot of pizza along the way. A lot of people are asking where to find you on Instagram. It's Marmalata Love if you want to send me the word pizza or the pizza emoji. And in real life, Raj, where can people come to you Wednesday to Sunday to eat that pizza? Yeah, thank you. We're in Mina Zayed. So it's like the last corner of Abu Dhabi. Um, Wednesday through Sunday from 5. We post our hours as 5 until 8. We keep going until we sell out. But in, in an effort not to waste your time, we say 8 o'clock because maybe you show up at 8.30 and we've sold out. So it's Mina Zayed all the way by the sea. It's commercial port. Originally, there were very, very few shops. Now that Aldara's bought it, there's, uh, there's, it's, a, it's a growing community of food people. So there's a lot of interesting restaurants. There's a lot of old shops that they've held on to. There's a sort of fishing... Uh, culture that lives out here but it's still a de- it's not it's a destination there's no neighborhood that we serve there's no one that works in the immediate area and so it's becoming that well, Mina Zayed thank you, Mina. Ooh, actually, thank you so a- so much you've now got me cra- craving fig you come I You're will gonna be a lot of trouble I'm going to be road tripping come. Raj thank you so much for your time <laughs> so many people asking for your details all the very best to you and the team have a great long weekend and I'll see you thank in you. real life very soon I hope You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We are going to be giving you some inspiration about where to go and what to eat this weekend now with Sheila Butke. He's the corporate chef of the Rickers Group, the man behind some of, to my mind, Dubai's hotter spots. We're talking beach clubs like Twiggy, Tego Mago, eateries like La Cantine, Mima Kakushi, the newly opened Shea Wham. We're talking about juggling all of that, plus the latest French brasserie Eugene Eugene. It's just opened at Kempinski at Mall of the Emirates. I, I mean, the fact you have time to even come and sit with me is incredible. How are you, chef? Hi, Ellen. Um, thanks for having me today. Pleasure. Now, where did this begin for you? Tell us about where you grew up and when you wanted to work with food. When did that start to click for you? Oh, it started quite early, actually. Um, um, we Back when I was uh, 14, 15 years, I started cooking. But for myself, uh, to make sure that everything was seasoned and done properly, I was uh, <laughs> my standards. mom was not my mom was not at home working, and uh, 
And by the time she gets home, uh, you know, I prefer to. I was I was there also to make sure that uh, we. I was the little one making food for the for my mom and my 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 father oh my and my brother. Wow. Yeah. And what was it about food and feeding people that you really fell in love with? Um, I come from a modest family. Um, at the end of the at the end of the week, it was quite difficult uh, to make to to have something in the in the fridge. And uh, from from the leftover, I, I started making some rich food, and I finished after uh, 16 years old. I figured I have gout because it was so rich, and I didn't have the base of cooking. But yeah. uh, but uh, I had to to look after myself after that, and uh, and then I went to hotel school, and uh, at 18 years old, and uh, from there I'm I'm here. Now, you are a corporate chef, and I don't really understand what that means. As I said, you are the man behind some amazing brands, but what does that look like? Is there a typical day for you, Gilles? Um, corporate chef, there's, um, there's a lot of way of looking at it. But on my side, uh, I work for Ricas now since seven years with Rizwan, uh, uh, Nasli, and uh, a big team. We started with a small team, now we are a bigger team. Um, the the idea we have behind uh i was the chef of la cantine first of all after a year of opening of la cantine i joined la cantine i redid the menu of la cantine and uh and the, the my adventure started there f- with the group and then uh, Rikras uh was built further further after um but it's all about communication with and have a great um atmosphere at work that's how we started with the boss the big boss and me always listening to each other to make sure that we have on the same line uh, to make sure that we can communicate properly and we get what we want in terms of the concepts. And uh, every time he, one day he told me, oh, you just finished the French restaurant. Like, I now we have to go to Nineveh, Nineveh, which is an Arabic restaurant. And uh, I never cooked Arabic food before. So I, I had to go and find out how, which, what kind of concept would that would that be? And there was so many, um, so many uh, Lebanese restaurants around in town, the good ones. And mm-hmm. I said, oh my God, I, it's impossible for me to compete with the best ones in town. So I went into a, a different, a different line, uh, North Africa, a bit of uh, uh, Turkish and uh, and Oman food, some. Some mixed grill, what people like popular, popular Arabic food, and it worked. It worked today, and then so uh, we I went. I understand there's going to be a new Naniv opening. Soon. Yeah, yeah, we're opening in in Babalsham. That's in really Babalsham. exciting. Uh, yeah, it's quite exciting too. It's a bit far, half, uh, but it's worth uh, it. But it's worth it exactly. And um, and after that, we we move on. We open plenty of restaurants, as you can see. Uh, we are how, at in eleven restaurants now. How do you find the time? And do you find yourself having to go between the two? As if I you've have got a great eleven team children. Me. I have yeah. I have a great team behind me. I have a very very great team behind me because the chef I select are are quite yeah. They're modest and and they're hard worker. Mm-hmm. So when everything when something goes wrong or something happened, they always on their phone calling me. Come and have, I need some help or. Uh, they let me know if they need some help. So mm-hmm. in terms of uh, creating the menu, I'm always with them. That's where we start. Uh, like Eugène, the last one, Eugène, Eugène, we decided to do a, a modern brasserie, brasserie uh, chic. Um, I will not say I'm a French chef, yes, but I will not say that it's, um, it's a French restaurant. Okay, we have base of French food, yes, but we open a little bit more on Europe. 
but I really want don't want to have um, Asian inside, you know, a mixed match of, no, of no, everything. No, 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 no. And uh, it's working. It's working. It's working. It I think working. you have a, a majority of people like it. Of course, you cannot please everyone. Well, this is what I wanted to ask you: that we're very, um, we're like magpies in Dubai. We're like, oh, the new thing. Oh, this thing. You know, it, it photographs beautifully. I want to go there. Um, but being able to maintain the consistency, maintain the loyalty of diners, and that's something you've done incredibly well. We think about La Cantine, we think about Twiggy, you know, Tegomego already, you know, really yeah. beloved. And, Shewam's and doing very well Shewam, too. Yeah, we just I, you know, Adrian's yeah. doing an incredible job exactly. there. So the you, Rickhouse Group does have this secret sauce, I think, for for capturing people's attention and imagination. But as as you say, how do you th- deal with kind of going okay? We can't please everybody. No, you can't. You, you know, I, I hear, I, I can see the, the comments that people, that people say, you know, uh, they're not impressed, uh, there's nothing wow. Uh, in, of course, some people are quite impressed, some people not, but you cannot please everyone. Let's, pa- let's paint the picture. So we've got new French brasserie, Eugène Eugène. Is that how am I saying it right? Yeah, Eugène Eugène, yeah. yeah. It's it's um it's there where there was a tennis court. Correct. Am, am I right yeah. in saying at the yes. Kempinski at Mall yes. of the Emirates? You can't even imagine that that was the case less than a year ago. Because no, yeah, they did a really good job. What to be you've honest. created? Can you can you describe the space? And then I went for lunch last week, so maybe I can add. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a beautiful space. I think. Um, when you look at it, you have to be. I, I don't want to give too much details in terms of structure because you have to go there to have to be impressed. When as soon, yes, that's very impressive for me. When you arrive uh, into the Kempinski Mall of Emirates and uh, you go into second floor, it's a random entrance, and then you get into a greenhouse. Uh, it's beautiful. You have beautiful lighting, and uh, uh, we just started, so we have still on a bit of training, and uh, but the staff are great. I think staff were fantastic truly and i think that's something that can be a bit of a missing piece for a lot of people I think yeah. okay, we've got this great chef and we've got this amazing menu and then it kind of falls down and actually getting that food to the to the diner i think it's it's just um we are more into a fa- still a family concept i think mm-hmm. we're growing fast but we are in a family mood and family concept and uh, the way we approach the guests maybe sometimes can be uh, we can make mistakes yes but uh, we always try to catch up in a, in a way where where people feel comfortable, you know, um, and uh, that's that's I think the success of a restaurant is just not about the kitchen and and the design; it's about a bit of everything, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where I think Rikas is. Um, we are good at. Uh, we are not just focused on the cuisine or the service. Or I think so. It's a it's a mix and match of every single detail that that makes it happen. Joining us from Rick Ass Group Corporate Chef Gilles Bousquet, we are going to be talking next about food, of course, some of his favourite dishes across the group. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Joining us from the Rick Ass Group, we've got Corporate Chef Gilles Bousquet, um, the man behind some of Dubai's hottest brands, Twiggy, Kaima, Tego Mago, Shea Wham, one of my favourites, La Cantine, Mima Kakushi, and the latest French brasserie, Eugène Eugène. Um, can I ask you about finding the talent? Um, now, you've had some pretty amazing mentors in your chef career, and now that table has turned a little bit and, and you're the mentor. What do you look for in, in chefs particularly? I don't know if I'm really the mentor, but I'm trying to guide them as much as, as possible. 
I know I cannot be everywhere, but uh, as I said again, uh, people that I have already with me, I, I believe in them, and I think it's uh, they believe in me too. And um, we are quite close, and to make sure that um, there is no barrier between us, because that's how I am able to jump from restaurant to restaurant. And uh, and uh, if I even don't go to the restaurant, sometimes I always have them on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we are quite open and, and frank about uh, honest between between them and me, and uh, that's very very important because uh, having maybe a star or a big ego in the team, I don't know if this would work mm-hmm. uh, because we are we are creating concepts. We are not, the only concept I will say that it's based uh, on the chef is maybe Shewam uh, uh, with Adrian and that was the deal. And Adrian is a friend of mine since <laughs> since ages. So so this I will say is um, he's, he's, it's about him because mm-hmm. it's his restaurant and uh, it's it's all turning about his kind of food. But the rest that what what we decide to do is is more a, a concepts, concepts. So, so we really need, because when, before we do a concept, we talk about it with Rizwan, um, the marketing team, and everything, and sometimes we are not on the same page. Um, that's what that's 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 the beauty of things, also, because we're always fighting and trying to find the right angle to to make things happen. Well, let's talk about that because you know we're so lucky in Dubai, and we think about the number of cuisines that are available to us, and then sometimes something comes along and go, I can't believe we haven't had a. I mean, I'm thinking actually about about your latest edition in terms of this brasserie feel where. It feels inclusive and family friendly, but also special enough to go somewhere for, you know, a beautiful dinner. But how do you begin to identify what the city needs before we even realise we need it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite, to be honest, we, we spend we spend a lot of time on Eugène Eugène because uh, you're never sure if it will, if it again, as, you, as we were saying, it will please people, the food, uh, the whole the whole area with plants and everything it can be a beautiful thing but would what kind of food would i put there mm-hmm. can i put asian or whatever and and eugene eugene is is basically was built in we have um, we had also eugene eugene in france in puto that um, uh that was there and then we we we, we decided to do it in uh, in dubai but in puto was was uh, was a different kind of it was not French. They were going a bit more into Asian and, and Vietnamese because it was in French. Yeah, it, but it was already it was, there. It's already there. Yeah. So they were they were putting some tweak into it to make sure it have some Asian. And what we it was quite tough to decide if we we're going to do this or not to put some. But we said we really wanted an, an identity, a DNA on on this mm-hmm. on this project. So um, I wanted to do something a bit more old old fashioned, and then um, we decided to really turn. Not we. We had a big discussion with Rizwan. Rizwan told me, "No way, I don't believe in that. Let's let's do a bit more modern. Let's do a bit more fun. Let's maybe a bit more more young." And uh, it's working, so... Uh, Come on, so. M- make us hungry. What are some of your favourite dishes on the menu? I'll tell you what I ate, and then you can tell me what All I right. need to eat next time. So we had the pizzetta, which was the quince and yeah, cheese. Yeah, with taleggio cheese. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. That was amazing. Steak tartare we had. Had lobster spaghetti. Yeah. Um, what else did we have? Lamb chops. My, my, my eight-year-old is an absolute animal yeah. for lamb chops. So I, I feel like... I need to go back maybe sans enfant and have a, a dinner with with my husband. What are some of your favorite dishes on the uh, menu? 
to be to be very honest, I we we did it together with with Yanis, the chef. Um, when we did the menu, we tried to put as much dishes where people will like would 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 be able to. I, I want people to have this. This they don't know what that they want to it. eat. You know, they want to have everything. You know, this is the point of 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 the menu to to f- to to make sure that that it's not complicated. It's easy to read and it's touch every single people. Someone can come pop in at four o'clock in the afternoon and have something to eat and mm-hmm. you know have a quinoa salad or can can you know what I mean? It's it's nothing. Uh, complicated, direct, straightforward um, cuisine. I am going to put you on the spot, though. So if uh, if I was going to say to you, I'm going to come in tonight, you get to put together a starter main and dessert. Oh, by the way, the desserts were amazing. We had ta-ta-ta and we had the chocolate fondant with hazelnut ice cream. Really excellent. But what do you think we will get a real picture of the restaurant um, of by eating, chef? I will I will start on the um, the beef uh, the beef carpaccio uh, it's quite nice because it's just not the beef carpaccio we mixed it with uh, some dry aged uh, beef also so it gives a bit of texture of different uh, raw and a little bit cooked um, I will go with the artichoke salad which is a beautiful salad uh, can be simple but we have artichoke and spinach salad uh, it's quite generous um, and as a fish I will go. Uh, with this, with the Dover sole. I was tempted. Yeah, it's it's a classic, but you know when it's well done, uh, it's sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for dessert, um, dessert. Oh, the pavlova. We do a pavlova. Uh, okay, I'm going back. Um, <laughs> really light, and people say, oh yeah, everyone do pavlova, everyone. Do. But try this one. It's very nice. You have a yogurt ice cream in the middle with some red and um, really light meringue, really, really light meringue, and it's quite impressive. Okay, sold. I'm going back. Jean Jean is there, Kempinski Mall of the Emirates. It is a beautiful greenhouse with a beautiful green marble bar, I think. I cannot wait for about a month's time where those outdoor spaces are just going to come in their yeah. own. Chef Shield, thank you so much for your time today, especially Pleasure. on a Friday, especially on a long weekend. Where are you <laughs> heading to now? Where, where are you? Uh... I'm going back to Eugene. Oh, come on. Of course, your second home. Thank you so much. <laughs> From you. the thank Rick you. Ask Group, Chef Shield. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Now, we love introducing you to chefs, and sometimes they are homegrown heroes from right here in the UAE, and sometimes they are speaking to us from what looks like the most incredible location I've ever seen. We have got Chef Jose Pizarro. He's been in London for 20 years and is often described as the godfather of Spanish cooking in the UK. His new restaurant, Jose by Pizarro, is at the Conrad Abu Dhabi Etihad Towers. Chef, how are you today? I'm so happy to be talking to you. Uh, I'm in Spain now. And uh, yeah, I feel like I'm almost there. Oh, I'm going to be well, in there. Yeah, I'll be soon. As much as I would love to have you in the studio, I think your current <laughs> setting looks a little bit nicer than where I'm sitting. <laughs> now, I can see you on Zoom, but for everyone listening today, can you paint us a little picture, Chef, about where you are and what you can see? Um, I am in Cadiz, Andalusia, south of Spain, and in my villa, my house here. And um, is uh, I can see Marrakech. Well, I can see Morocco from here. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just enjoying a few days in the sun. I can see. I'm going back to London. Yeah. Well, you know, sure. It's home. <laughs> well, the water looks stunning. And I guess that really takes us back to 
your beginnings. Tell us a little bit about how you first discovered your passion for food and cooking. Where did that begin, Chef? Well, really, um, I was not allowed even to cook when I was a child because my family, they were farmers. And, uh, and my mom always spent the time with my dad, as you can imagine, helping him in the farm. And um, the time my mom has for herself was cooking, mm -hmm. you know, cooking for us. And uh, that means that all the time when I tried to be with her in the kitchen, was like, ow, go out from here. <laughs> you know, she was running behind me with the slipper. Go away, I need my time. I need to cook for you. <laughs> And um, but when you grow up in a farm, you grow up with the best ingredients ever. You know, you have the best, uh, the best milk straight from the cow, the tomatoes. You know, you have everything. That means that all the flavors and all the smells from the farm, from the vegetable garden, and for my mom cooking was inside of me. It was mm -hmm. like a sponge there. And um, I studied dentist technician, and I finished. I got a job. And, uh, and uh, uh, well, I was very bad student until my dad said, or you do something for yourself or you come into the farm. And I was studying, I finished, and I did dentic technician, you know, yeah. something about tooth. And, uh, <laughs> and then I finished, I got a job, and uh, I just, uh, I, I have a gap in my, in, my, in my time, you know, between start my new job. And I, I did a cookery course just for three, four months. I, I just fell in love. Oh. I fell in love even when I was a kitchen porter. Game you over. Know, to be, the, the, the to be, you know, to be with people and uh, to be around food, those smell came back to my memories. And uh, yeah, I, I decided not to be dentic technician anymore and to be chef. Wow. And that we are talking about 30 years ago. The, the dental industry's losses are gain, chef. So I'm very pleased it didn't work out for you. You still get to wear whites, though. Sim similar, similar outfit. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about your culinary journey. It has taken you from Spain to London and now here to the UAE. Um, how do you think your heritage has influenced your cooking style and the dishes you create? And and ultimately, I guess I'm asking, how do you then interpret them for a really diverse? dining group you know whether it is mm. london or whether it is here how, what are you communicating about where you come from through food for me it was very when i moved to uk 25 years ago for me it was quite difficult because i was uh, cooking michelin food i was a uh, head chef in spain of a michelin star restaurant mm -hmm. and i went to london and um, i went there just to learn a little bit about diversity in different restaurants spain was very not close, but was very Spanish, you know, Spanish food, Spanish technique, Spanish wines. And I thought to go to London to learn more. And uh, I went there, I started, I was looking in different restaurants, but I didn't speak any English. That means that I started in a Spanish restaurant. And I, in that Spanish restaurant, we were doing Michelin star food. That means that was a very new, all the technique, very Spanish. But the thing I saw in Spain at that time that people didn't understand about Spanish new cuisine, because I think for it's so important if you want to, 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 to understand something, you need to go to the base, you need to go to the product, to the ingredient, to the pure flavors. Mm -hmm. That is what I did in London. 
And uh, I forgot completely that kind of uh, Michelin star food that time, you know, and I started just pushing, pushing and pushing all Spanish ingredients, all, you know, we had amazing beef, we had amazing vegetable, extra virgin olive oil, amazing vinegar, a lot, well, lot of things for me to teach. And, uh, and that's it. Uh, and it's what I do. I do a very diverse, very, very well cooked, you know, look maybe a little bit simple on the plate, but it's so much behind so much behind because all the technique that I learned and I'm still learning for the new cuisine, I implementing to my um, to my restaurant now mm. and a traditional dishes that I make to different level. You know what I mean? I do. And that it? is what I do. For me, it's diversity. It's the, the, the flavor is what I want to teach to people. Flavor and, uh, and the style, you know, to be together, I think it's, it's very important to share, oh. to enjoy. Absolutely. I think that's really testament to your philosophy around what you were so lucky enough to experience growing up. You probably didn't realise how lucky you were to have access to this amazing produce. Um, We're going to bring it back to the UAE next, joining us live on the line from his beautiful villa in Andalusia, overlooking water. The the waves are in the background. Chef Jose Pizarro, we're going to find out about what's happening here in Abu Dhabi, right here in the UAE, in his restaurant. I prepare to feel very hungry indeed. We're going to be unpacking the menu. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Chef Jose Pizarro with us. He is speaking to us from his villa in Spain. He's been in the UK for a number of decades and we're lucky enough to have one of his restaurants right here in the UAE. Jose by Pizarro at the Conrad Abu Dhabi Etihad Towers. Now, Chef, I've just made the mistake of seeing photos of your London home and it is the most beautiful place I've ever seen with original art dogs and now um i just like to make, <laughs> to make a formal plea to be adopted by you please in if that's Come not on. possible <laughs> Come in. It's, uh, it's, uh, be very but, but it's so interesting to think about how you know your taste is not just on the plate you know it permeates the environment as well you know your home and the restaurants when it comes to opening a restaurant tell us a little bit about the importance of creating an environment where people can escape, immerse themselves in everything that you're about? Where does it start for you? Is it with the food or the space? Definitely have to be the space. Um, because when until you are not there, you really don't feel how it's going to be. You know, you don't get the feelings. It's going to be 40 seats. It's going to be 20 seats. I don't know, you know. It's uh, important is just to get the feeling. And, uh, and after that, everything will happen. The design, the number of tables, the menu. But for me, the important thing is when I'm coming into one place, is when I have the feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. It's what happened when I went to, to Abu Dhabi. I just came in and I feel how it's going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Have to be, it was really small and, and, you know, intimate. Have to be very, uh, I don't know, feeling very clever in terms of the light and feeling very close together, you know, to feel like you are in Spain. I, I saw my two restaurants there. I saw my tapas bar mm-hmm. first, the one I opened, and, and then I saw the same time the big one. It's why it's called Jose by Pizarro, because it's, it's the, the intimate of a small tapas bar in Spain, but with the food of my main restaurant, you know. It's, when you're coming in, is when you say, wow have to be like that, like that, like that. And it's important because what you don't want to do is to make something that is not, for me, doesn't give me any feeling. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. you know? And then I start, okay, then we start with the design, the menu close to the, uh, to, to the design. And, and that's, it's a, it's a lovely journey. It's absolutely a lovely journey. And um, as you say, art for me is so important. It's so important. Um, need to have my feelings there. You know, it's why I love Abu Dhabi. We are so lucky to have the Louvre, the Guggenheim, everything, you know, happening, happening there. Happening. For me, it's, for me, it's a dream to come true. And I'm going, I'm going to be there next week. Good. Uh, I cannot wait. Oh, good. I'm, now, I want you to make us hungry. This is your job for the next yeah. couple of minutes, Chef Jose Pizarro. T tell us a little bit about the menu. If you could make mouths water around the UAE, your job is done. What's on the menu? Uh, what I said before is all about proper flavors. You know, I will start with a uh, toast with anchovies on top, proper anchovies. These anchovies done being cured for two years in salt. Wow. Two years. And they, 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 the anchovies, uh, they, they are the biggest coming to North Spain. And, uh, and they preserve for two years in salt at the same temperature. It's only 25 in one kilo. That means that the side is as big, almost at the half of the knife. And um, lovely brioche, I think you should start with that. I love croquetas, you know, croquetas is something very important for us. And we have so many different flavors and we change. For people that don't know about croqueta, croqueta is a bechamel bowl that we fry. And we, we have with uh, prawns or we have with mushrooms, or we have with a lot of things like that. Um, just the flavor, big flavor, I will say, go with prawn fritters, proper prawn chop with plenty of coriander, chili, proper flavors, and alioli is garlic mayonnaise. Seriously, amazing. I will have something nice and fresh. I will go for a proper tomato salad. Then it's going with a kind of gazpacho dressing. Gazpacho is a Spanish tomato soup. Absolutely gorgeous with some basil. Something I love is lamb. And we have a proper a small lamb uh, leg, very slow, slow cook. And uh, just finishing the oven is it's so tender. Of course, you don't need any knife for that. Just go easy and just get the flavor there. The, the sauce coming is it's really silky, it's shiny, it's just bringing all the flavor together. Oh my to goodness, I was just about to say, let's have a sweet end <laughs> to the week, Chef Jose Pizarro. Do you have a sweet tooth? And how does that translate to the menu? I, I always say I'm sweet enough, <laughs> but uh, I have something very, very close to my heart. That is, is something called floreta. It's a, it's a, a dough that is fried. And, um, and it's lovely, Flor, floreta means floor in Spanish. And it's like a flower on a plate. And it's something, and then we cover, it's fried, and then it's covered with honey. Ooh. Nothing better than that. And it's my mom recipe. That means it's the best recipe in the world.
Chef, thank you so, so much. Your work here is done. I now want to hot foot it in the car up to Abu Dhabi for a meal tonight. But in the interim, can't wait to have you back in the UAE from next week. Um, You can find Jose Bebazareth Conrad there in Abu Dhabi and enjoy that beautiful weather in Spain. Come back with lots of inspiration, some incredible ingredients, and we can't wait to see that how it translates to the plate. Chef Jose Bebazareth, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful time. Thank you. As we said, that is the Conrad Abu Dhabi Etihad. Had Towers Hotel, Jose Pizarro. My goodness, I'm craving everything. <laughs> Prawns, aioli, the mother's dessert. Oh my goodness. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We are talking tech now. The use of AI is sneaking into many aspects of our life, whether we realize that or not, whether we like it or not. And it's also um, impacting the way restaurants do work now and will work in the future. We're lifting the lid now with Brian Volzing, the founder and managing director of Beluga Hospitality, sharing some insights now. So, Brian, you can't win this prize either, I'm afraid, because you're a friend of the show. What's your favorite thing about living in the UAE and and how long have you been here now? I came, excuse me, I came to the UAE in 2014. I love everything about it, from the lifestyle, the great restaurants, the people. Um, so I really feel at home here. That's lovely. You came here as a chef and now heading up Beluga Hospitality. Tell us a little bit about the work you do. So we do everything from concept development to opening the restaurant, bringing on staff, training on staff, menu development, sort of A to Z, everything to do with restaurants. So it's quite exciting. What kind of trends have you noticed then in your time doing this? You know, are you getting more requests when it comes to, you know, smaller spaces or certain cuisines or even locations around the UAE? What's what's cooking? I think there's a lot going on. Um, trends here kind of change as they go. Right now we're seeing a lot of bakeries. Seems to be a hot trend. Um, every few years there's a different trend that seems to come up. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the brands we work with range from small QSR restaurants all the way to, you know, big restaurants. So it, it ranges in between. So how they, are they incorporating tech? How is AI currently being used in restaurants? I think right now it's being used in ways that consumers don't necessarily see through chatbots, um, you know, various booking systems, things like that. But obviously now there's more restaurants opening that you see tech right in your face. There's a restaurant that just opened in Dubai called Xenon, I believe. It looks incredible. I definitely need to check it out. What are they doing? Well, on the walls, they've used a, I believe it's from Microsoft, and it incorporates what the dining experience is happening around with AI artwork at the same time. I believe that's... How intriguing. I mean, I've got mixed feelings about being tech being used in restaurants because, I mean, you're talking there about staff training. And for me, I want to have that interaction with somebody. I want someone to go, you know, these are the specials or this is what I've really enjoyed and this is, you know, what chef's got in today and let's talk about it. And then at the end, you've got the whole like, you know, also I wear glasses, right? The QR code thing is not great for me. I'm like zooming in on my phone to read the menu. Where it has been useful recently is that splitting a bill. I think that's I think that's a good use of the QR code at the end. But, yeah, definitely. But I think, you know, humanity and tech need to coexist in F&B because you need to have that hospitality. A QR code is not the same as eye contact. There feels like there's got to be a, a balance. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I don't think AI can, well, it can't, you know, engage with guests and create an experience. One day. When the, one, one day, day maybe. One day we've but, got you know, you do robots. see... People using it to, to write menus, to find recipes. 
but obviously they can't cook the recipes. They can tell you how to do it, but they, they can't do it for you. It literally popped up on my Instagram today. It was a reel, actually from a media company here in the UAE called Triffid. And for any kind of influencers, content creators, they're really worth a follow because they do a lot of things about how to create great content from stories to reels and using tech. And it was them saying exactly that. You know, we're having a dinner party. There's two vegans. There's two people that eat meat. There's two people that eat fish. What should we make? And they're like, okay, we'll go into ChatGPT and they'll pull up together a menu and some recipes. But yes, ultimately someone such as Someone yourself, still has to cook someone it. Someone still has to cook yeah. it. Um, how do you think it affects or could affect the bottom line, you know, using technology to save cost and speed and impact quality? I definitely quality? think it'll help. There's companies now in the United States that have developed AI software that can basically track the entire guest experience in terms of speed of service from, you know, landing there, ordering food from the time it takes to order to receive the food and then leave. So they are tracking these things. And then from there, you can, you know, reduce times and hopefully make the experience better at the same time. I think an, an interesting application and, and one we've touched on um, recently as we you know, get in the run up to COP28 is about using AI when it comes to tracking food waste as well. You know, what's what's coming back into the kitchen from plates, you know, whether that is, you know, the scanning and the weighing and kind of going, OK, maybe that muffin is 30 percent bigger than it should be. Or, you know, maybe that side is just not as popular as we thought it might be and using it to, I guess, save save money and save food save in that money, space. save the environment yeah. save a bit of everything yeah, yeah absolutely um, so you mentioned Xenon that's opened up in Dubai it's using AI in it's kind of interior space what, what's happening elsewhere in the world have you noticed any, any restaurants that are worth a shout out yeah I did have a look online and I've been doing a bit of research on this because I do find it quite interesting but there was a restaurant in Sydney called Rafi and I believe they put up a competition to have someone develop an AI restaurant and they basically left AI to do everything oh, from gosh. the interior design you know the menu and they they built it on the four pillars uh, i think it was earth air fire water but it required a lot of human intervention because obviously someone still has to do the fit out mm -hmm. someone still has to cook the menu someone still has to serve the food and deal with the guests you know um okay. but yeah interesting it's a real kind of watch this space because I, when I think about, you know, us talking now in 2023, people might look back in 20 years time and go, wow, like they really had no idea what was coming and how it was going to be incorporated. That's how I think of 10 years ago, where I, I look at all these, you know, AI things where you can basically find out about anything through chat, G, chat GPT. Um, and 10 years ago, I couldn't imagine it. So at the moment, you know, AI can't taste food. It can't, you know, engage with guests. But that's not to say it won't in the future. It's hard to say. It, it really is. And I think there's a real danger of, um, and I've been guilty of this in the past when it comes to certain technologies going, that's not for me. That's too, that's a young person's game or whatever. But the danger there, I mean, ultimately it's going to be like saying, don't use AI. It's going to be saying like, don't use Google. You know, this it's, it's not going anywhere. And if anything, we need to be embracing and working with it. I don't know about 20 years time. You know, we don't know how much... No one knows. Be, it's a mystery. Exciting and nerve-wracking all at the same time. So I just ordered my lunch um, before the show. Um, had some very nice noodles. Shout out to Wok Boys. Thank you very much. Um, but how do we? How, how is it being incorporated in that, Brian? Do you think in terms of you know delivery times? Do we think it could have a space you know on the road as well as in the restaurant? Very possibly. It's it's very hard to say at this point, but yeah, I believe you know a, a lot of the AI technology is being used through chatbots when you you know delivery systems and whatnot, and yeah, sooner or later I'm sure it'll be AI drones delivering your food, and it's all very exciting, and uh, it's hard to say what will happen, but yeah, I think that's. 
that's the exciting part of it is who knows where we'll be in, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever it may be. Watch this space. I'll be interested to catch up with you as well down the line as more, you know, more restaurants and uh, aspiring foodie entrepreneurs come to you and say, this is a priority for us. What are your foodie plans for the weekend? Where are you going? What are you eating? Where am I going? What am I eating? I'm probably going to get some steaks from Spinney's. Yeah, you can't yeah. win the prize, but well done. Yeah, it's worth a shout out. Uh, yeah, and just do the uh, family thing. Hang out with my with my family, have some steaks and maybe a barbecue now that the weather's cooled down a bit. It is, right? Yeah, it's I nice. don't want to jinx it. It's getting there. We're yeah. going camping this weekend. and oh, We've, very We just nice. had the discussion on the group this morning about like who's bringing the breakfast for stuff, who's bringing the, the evening stuff. So I think we're going to be making a chili tonight just to bring and cook it up. Perfect. And then... Uh, Hopefully, we won't be, you know, too hot in the tents. I think tomorrow. you'll be all right. It, I hope it, so. It, We're going it was high. very nice this morning. We're going high. All right, brilliant. Um, Brian, for anyone who wants to find out more about you and the work you do at Beluga, um, what's the best way of getting in touch with you? You can give me a call, which you can find my number directly on the website, or you can reach the website at www.belugahospitality.com. Get shopping. As I said, you can't win those steaks, but having eaten your food in years gone by, you definitely know what to do with them. So all the best. Have a wonderful weekend. And yeah, let's catch up. Let's watch this space. Thank you so much. Thank you. Speaking to us from Beluga Hospitality here on Farmer's Kitchen, Brian Volzing, the founder and MD of Beluga. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We've had restaurateurs on the show this afternoon, chefs, and now food writer Dan joining us. We're talking high-end fine dining, but also that lovely cheap comfort food they've been cooking up at home. How are you, Dan? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for coming in on a Friday, on a long weekend. Um, can I ask you, first of all, what are your foodie plans for the weekend? Where are you going? What are you eating? So I'm going to Hakkasan for dinner tonight. Oh, nice. um, and tomorrow I'm going to City Social for the brunch. It is a brilliant brunch. I've heard it's good. Oh, it's excellent. Because, well, first of all, you know, we're getting on a bit. I don't want to be queuing for food. Sorry. I want to sit down and have food brought to me. Thank yeah. you very much. The staff are excellent. But they're coming around with drinks trolleys. They're coming around with seafood trolleys. The views are amazing. Hopefully it'll be cool enough to be able to open up some of those sliding doors with views over mm, the marina. Okay. for Because it's on what, 43rd floor, I yeah, think. Yeah, like Grosvenor House. So... You and Jason nothing proper best mates, no? Oh, no, we're playing golf again on Tuesday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it is a really, it's a fab brunch. You're, you've completely blown my food options out of the water because I've got no plans at all. Well, that's not true. We're going camping. So speaking of comfort food, I think I'm going to make a chilli and we can just heat mm, that up. Yeah. And then just have some, although it might still be a bit warm. Mm, now, speaking, speaking of Jason Atherton, yeah. he was in the very seat you are sitting in just a couple of weeks ago at just ahead of Rowan 45 opening. Mm -hmm. It opened just a week ago. You've already been through the doors. Courtney been Brand twice. Oh my God. What? Okay. For anyone that's not familiar, it's called Rowan 45 because it's on the 45th floor of Grosvenor House. And what I love about... And Rowan means refinement of work as well. Right. That's what the R-O-W stands for. You can for. stay. You yeah. can stay. I love the fact that when Jake Nathan spoke to me about this, this feels to him like a pinnacle in the career. And this is a man that's been in the kitchen for over 30 years. And I love the idea of working towards something all the way through your career. Because we, we hear a lot about like superstar chefs who are like smashing it in their 20s. No, I want consistency and something to look forward to. And it sounds like this is the culmination of travels, of, you know, working in the industry for decades, meeting people, being inspired by other chefs. 
17 courses, though. Mm. Good grief. Out of those 17, are there any that you want to share now that have really stayed with you, Dan? Oh, wow. So there was a cheese and onion dish that was just pure comfort food. It was absolutely delicious. And there was a beautiful um, chocolate dessert that I posted on my Instagram page the other day. But to be fair, it was just a, it was just a lovely degustation. Um, the drinks pairings were really good. The staff were amazing. I loved the vibe. It had a really cool, like, 90s, 80s playlist. Nice. It was just a really good vibe. And obviously we got sort of like the... VIP. Well, I think I think it's the kind of place where everyone gets the VIP service. It's such a say, small. It's only twenty seats. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just yeah, it was wonderful, and I think it's a really good addition to the scene. And it's just good how, uh, like, you, you're completely right in terms of, of of Jason. He's he's so passionate about it, and I was really surprised to see that because I've come across a few of these celebrity chefs in Dubai who've put the name to restaurants, and they're never there. They're not really interested, and you can tell it doesn't sort of like it's not their values really in the kitchen. They're yeah. just got the money from putting the name on the door whereas he genuinely wants from, to make this the best restaurant that he's ever made yeah, and from I respect that absolutely absolutely um you've also been in not just in the restaurant of Oceano at Atlantis you've been in the kitchen yes working you've been so getting, I wasn't, rubbing your sleeves up thankfully I wasn't working so um I've been to Oceano a few times over the last few weeks and Gregoire just messaged me and he was like you're coming on your own on Saturday because it was a, um, a collaboration with Josh Nyland, who's one of my favourite chefs from Australia. And he was like, do you fancy sitting in the kitchen and just watching us go? Because I don't want you to sit in the dining room on your own and I don't want to pair you up with someone else and it's quite busy. So why don't I put you a table in the kitchen? And I was like, <laughs> absolutely, yes. <laughs> so I don't know if you've watched The Bear. Are you joking? I can't stop thinking about The Bear. Okay, now we are going to move on to talking about the, some of the best TV and films about food. Because I've, you know, I can't find anything as good as The Bear to watch. <laughs> now, if you haven't watched it, the concept is you've got a young superstar chef who has been at Noma. He's been at some of the best restaurants in New York and is smashing it in his career. His brother passes away and he goes to take over his brother's restaurant, which is like a meat sandwich joint in Chicago. It's a dysfunctional group in the kitchen and he's left it in tatters. Kami, the superstar chef brother, comes back and it's billed as a comedy drama. I think it's more of a drama than a comedy, but there yeah, are a definitely. few kind of, I mean, it, it amused me quite a lot in places. By the way, speaking of music, incredible soundtrack on the yeah, back. Yeah, it's, it's a great show, yeah. Um, and what's so beautiful, I mean, it's so cinematic. You know, food is obviously front and centre in there, but you've got these kind of dynamics and character arcs of some of these people in the kitchen who are inspired by him to really excel and train up themselves to become absolutely world-class themselves. It's two seasons. I think the second season's probably better than the first, um, mainly because of an omelette scene, which yeah. I've been wanting to have an omelette ever since seeing it. Um, but when you're thinking about the comparison to Oceano there, because they're very different restaurants, of course, why did you feel like you were in the bear when you were in the kitchens at Oceano? Just the organised chaos going on. I was there from 7pm till 1am, so I saw pretty much the first dishes go out to the end of service. And it was honestly like five 
episodes of a season of, of a show like The Bear, just watching kind of it start off slowly and then it getting really busy, then the odd customer complaint and then some the dishes getting taken out and then a customer getting up to go to the bathroom, the man to run back and kind of re-prepare the dish because an element was melting and just like panic of things going on and things like all the plates coming back clean and people celebrating achievements and me just being sat there as well and watching a chef who's obviously made a little bit of my dish just kind of peeking over to see if I'm enjoying it and it was oh. just it was just so much drama and it's and you just sometimes you're just in a restaurant and you don't realize the amount of work that goes into it but there's like 25 30 people in that kitchen all making tiny little elements there was one guy who was just making this foam the entire evening all that was doing is just stirring this foam pot and making man. foam running over getting it over then they'd be putting it out on the dishes and running back with the pan making more foam like all evening and it was just great at the end of the service to see them all, all come together and celebrate and wow. and like have a drink together and come sit with me and like laugh about things and like tell me about things that went right and went wrong and it was just it was just Magic. It was amazing. It was so, so good to see. And I, I really feel honoured to be given that opportunity Goodness. to witness that. Goosebumps there, Dan Faye. Food writer Dan is in the studio with us this afternoon. Up next, we are going to be talking about, because I was a bit sick last week. Dan's been a bit poorly this week. Our comfort food when you're not feeling well. Let us know yours. And we're talking about food and film. Film and TV as well. Food on the screen. What have you loved watching? You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Now, I'm always interested to speak to chefs and find out if they watch food shows in their spare time. And it's either a resounding <clears throat> absolutely or it's a good grief. No, I need a break from that madness. Food writer Dan, what about you? So I'm obsessed with a show um, in the UK called Come Dine With Me. <laughs> yeah. Is that at- still going? I have no idea. I've no idea, but I, I still managed to find um, episodes of it. To there watch. is some amazing drama. It's just amazing. It's just like the dregs of like UK society all just coming together and just like making absolute Terrible ridiculous food. meals and I've, it's um, just fantastic. I started fantastic watching TV. the new season of the Great British Bake Off. Yes last night yes. and that show is just like having a hug it's so wholesome isn't it's it it's just, lovely it's just lovely people are really nice to each other you're willing everyone to do really really well I think yeah. it goes to show that so many people are so talented in things that oh, they're, not, yeah. they're not even doing for their for their day job I had loads of messages on this I'd love to know your favourite films and TV shows that about food uh, for Serene saying no reservations that's the one with Catherine Zeta-Jones isn't it I haven't seen that mm, Bella that. 100 Foot Journey I love this film this is about Indian family in France. It's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous film. Isabella saying, Woman on Top. This has got Penelope Cruz in it. And I had a little I had a little Google and it sounds fantastic. So I'm I'm gonna be adding that to my watch list. So thank you for that. It is about um a Brazilian chef who's cheated on by an insecure man. She moves to San Francisco and finds success as the host of a cooking show. And Amit saying, Burnt, Bradley Cooper, yeah, so much fun good. to watch. Best movie on food. I've watched it and loved it a million times and on the TV front somebody feed Phil uh, no name on this one absolutely addicted to come dine with me <laughs> amazing because it's it's like it's like you're studying people it's just and think, brilliant and when they go yeah I'm going to be cooking this I've never cooked it before what are you thinking why wouldn't you practice this you've got four yeah. strangers coming to your house and then they're going through everyone's wardrobe it's just absolute genius um, have you watched the menu yet 
I didn't. Re- oh, it's. I thought the first half of it was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it, and then I just thought it just went stupid. It just went really, really silly. And the first half is literally what it's like in some of these fine dining experiences. Mm. It was. It was quite unnerving how accurate it was compared to the pretension. Of, you mean? Yeah, just to some of the experiences that I've had. Um, there is one film that, because I said, don't quiz me on films, but I just thought of one, and I can't think of what it's called. Tell it, me, I'll help you. It's. Oh my god! It's that Liverpoolian guy, I think. Boiling Point, Stephen Boiling Graham. Boiling Point, yes. They're turning that into a TV show. So this it's amazing, uh, and it's all shot in one shot. That I, film. I, I don't got know if you goosebumps thinking about oh. it. It is. I mean, it's like you're talking there about five hours with you know us on it. it. Yeah. It is all of the drama condensed into one one single shot and he is just yeah. the most incredible actor so i believe it's being separated into make, making to into a tv show on the softer side um i love it's complicated which has got um Meryl in I'll watch Meryl in anything and she has her own bakery and she's mm. separated from Alec Baldwin it gets complicated with them but she has a date with Steve Martin and they go and make croissants in her bakery after hours that's not a euphemism and it's just gorgeous also speaking of Meryl Julie and Julia just and now I just want to go and watch food films. What about Ratatouille? That's a good one. Oh my goodness, I'm so embarrassed. I've never actually seen it. <gasps> I know. And You've I've got, got kids as well. I know, and I've just got Disney Plus after trying to figure it out for the longest time. I've finally got Disney Plus, hence being able to right. watch The Bear. Ratatouille, put it on tonight. It's a brilliant film. The kids aren't in tonight. But even better. <laughs> watch it without them. Yeah, I, I watch it like every year. <laughs> So like my, my wife's actually in the green room today and um, yeah, I think we've we've watched it once this year already. Oh, message Brilliant saying film. chocolat, absolutely. Juliette Binoche. Or chocolate as we call it in Yorkshire. Chocolate. Aye. Ratatouille will be having this sideways. We can't talk about too much, but an excellent film as well. <laughs> I can't talk about Because <laughs> the whole content's not exact. And okay. Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Yes, Monique, you're absolutely right. Mm. Um, lastly, I wasn't very well last week. I had to miss a few days of the show. And it kind of got me thinking about the food that I that makes me feel better, to be honest. So day one, really sore throat. I had some Heinz tomato soup. I'm a firm believer that there are very, very, very few things in life that can't be fixed with a chat with my mum and a bowl of Heinz soup. Mm. Next day, felt a bit better. Felt up to having some toast. So I had toast, spaghetti hoops, toast buttered, obviously, and some uh, cheddar cheese grated on top. Am I speaking your language, Dan Faye? Speaking my love language, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what I had for lunch yesterday. Heinz spaghetti on Warburton's white, but it's got to be Warburton's. Warburton's just toasts like nothing, know, nothing ever. And it's, and it's finally come over here properly. You can get it, I think, in Spinney's you and can? in Wal- Wal- yeah, Walmart. No, Waitrose. Waitrose. Not Walmart. Where are you? Where Who are, are you? Um, yeah, and Waitrose. And it's, yeah, it's called Warburton's. And it's in a blue. No, no, not even necessarily toasted oh, because toasty the other one stuff makes nice sandwiches as well. It's like a versatile bread. Whereas I think the toasted one, it's a bit thick for a normal sandwich. Interesting. Yeah, so. You're a connoisseur of this. Yeah. So when I wasn't very well as a as a kid, um, the ultimate treat. You're going to be really grossed out with this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, Greg sausage rolls, mm. and I'm so scared to say it. Cold baked beans. I don't even like hot baked beans, cold baked beans, because that's what my mum had. My mum didn't ever like hot baked beans. I've never liked beans, and then about a year ago, suddenly I like beans. Is it a bit like being a grown-up where you suddenly like olives? <laughs> I've still not got there yet. I haven't either. I've tr- I, I'm like, there's the odd olive that I have now, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't fully nauseating. But it, <laughs> I'm exactly the same. But yeah, I just... We're not grown-ups yet. Yeah. We're not. Um, I've... I've 
it's about a cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Mm. Great movie. Yeah. It's also a great ride at Motion Gate. I took my kids in it the day. The um, it's like the water ride, the rapids outside. Oh. There's like giant food all around. So tell me again, where are you going this weekend, Dan Fay? So Hakkasan tonight. They're at doing St. a moon cake festival. Yes, you're absolutely right. It is the season for mooncakes and Chinese cuisine. I, was like, I know it's a moon something, but yeah, so there's a mooncake festival and the menu sounded amazing and they said, please come and try it. So It would be rude not to. It would be rude And not then to. tomorrow yeah. you're brunching. That's City Social, yeah. Have an absolutely amazing time. Now, we've been talking about some of the things you've been posting on your Instagram. For anyone that wants to find you for news reviews, bit of gossip and your travels as well, because you're off to the States in a few weeks, where can we find you on Instagram? Food writer Dan, all one word. I'm now, easy, I'm now craving buttered toast. Yeah. That's what I'm going to eat for my dinner tonight. Thank you. Food writer Dan, absolute pleasure. Get yourself you. off. Have a lovely Friday afternoon. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinnies. Eat well, live well. Now, we have had chefs, restaurateurs, producers, loads of people in the studio this afternoon. And right now, we are inviting you on a supper club, the Don Bueno Supper Club. It's not a restaurant. It is a journey through Colombian cuisine and some bit of Peruvian influence now. Andrea is with us today. Her husband, Esteban, are the creative forces behind it. How are you? Hi, Helen. I'm very good. Thank you so much for coming in, especially on a Friday. Um, tell us a little bit about where you are from and who was cooking when you were growing up? Yes, so I'm from Peru. Um, I was uh, mostly inspired by my family. I grew up uh, with my mom and my grandmother cooking. So they are my main inspiration. Um, Peruvian food has absolutely exploded in popularity. Certainly, I mean, I know obviously you being Peruvian, it's always been on your radar, but for, for, for many people, um, it's been absolutely, you know, trending over the last five years. What about your husband? Where's Esteban from? Esteban is from Medellin, Colombia. Um, we actually met in Peru because uh, he was studying then, there and uh, we used to work together. Um, but right now what we see is that, of course, Latin American cuisine is, is a boom mm -hmm. everywhere. Uh, but mostly we see Peruvian or Mexican food. And we would like to see more of Colombian. Can you tell us a little bit about Colombian cuisine? Can you educate us today, Andrea, or some of the key flavors, some of the signature dishes? So in Colombian cuisine, there is the use of um, corn, potato, cassava. Uh, a lot of these ingredients, uh, we find them in other places of Latin America. Um, but the way they cook it, uh, it's very particular. So one of their staple uh, dishes, for example, is the arepas. So there are more than uh, 50 kinds of arepas and it all depends on how you make it or what type of corn you use, um, what kind of filling you use. And yeah, I could... I'm really embarrassed to say that <laughs> I only know about the arepas because of Encanto, <laughs> which is the movie that my kids are obsessed with. Can you explain exactly what they are and some of the most popular fillings and techniques? So arepas are, um, it's like a bread, uh, but it's gluten-free actually. It's just made out of corn, water and salt. Um, some of them uh, have other ingredients uh, for flavoring, but the, this is the staple one. So Esteban is from Medellin and there is this kind of arepa that is very particular for his, from his area. It's called the arepa paisa. 
Um, so it's a very flat and toasted arepa. No. And they, sorry. No, 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 no. keep talking. <laughs> and they, on, yeah. they eat it usually uh, for breakfast, but it could be part of any meal, you know. Now, you are a really talented pastry chef. You're a consultant as well. And your husband is the exec chef at 53 um, at the Sheraton Grand. But this wasn't enough food for you. You decided it was <laughs> going to be a supper club that you were going to combine your talents on. How did the idea for the Don Bueno Supper Club come about, Andrea? So we love hosting and uh, we think that in Latin America we have this particular uh, hospitality. So we wanted to really transmit that. And actually the name Don Bueno, if you translate it to English, is Mr. Kind. So, Mr. Kind. Yes. So we want to transmit this kindness that we grew up with. I love this. So what's, what does it look like in terms of how often, how many people and where are you having it? Can you paint us a picture of the supper club? So... Uh, past, the past month we had eight dates. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, in October we're trying to do uh, four dates because, of course, uh, the Esteban is busier. I'm busier with work as well. So we have uh, lunch on Sundays, and uh, for us, having lunch on Sundays is something really special because, uh, well, in a lot of countries, but mainly in Latin America. Sunday is the day that you rest and you go visit uh, your parents or your mm. grandparents. So it's uh, something that we really missed, you know. And here, of course, we try to do that with our extended family that is friends. So coming together then. And how yes. many people can you normally host? Uh, well, before we were used to host six, but we, we got a bigger table and now <laughs> we are able to host eight. So what kind of dishes are on the menu, Andrea? Um... They are mainly inspired by Colombian classic dishes, but we always try to give a twist. So, of course, we have uh, a type of arepa, um, which is the rib, uh, ribeye arepa. Ooh. And it's, uh, it's a starter. Then we have aborrajados, which is uh, like a croquette made out of plantain. Uh, it, it has different textures of plantain and it's filled with cheese. Um, and you can eat it like in a bite. We have uh, a type of ceviche, which in that way, I, I give a little bit of my Peruvian, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and we have something that really everyone really liked, which is the ajiaco. And we call it the ajiaco don bueno because it's not the typical ajiaco. It's a chicken and potato soup, but we try to refine it a little bit and to make it pretty. And then? And then? Queen of pastry. Of course, we have desserts. What's that? <laughs> Uh, we have arroz con leche, which is a type of rice pudding. Uh, I think rice pudding, every, every culture has its own. Um, I need to try yours because I've got really bad memories of rice pudding from my school days. Oh, believe me, <sighs> it will change. <laughs> it yeah. will change the, the way you think because um, every time like I have guests and they, they think, oh, rice pudding, I, I don't want to try that. But once they try it, it's like, this is now my favorite. Dessert. Really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> you will you will have a mission to convert me because this this rice pudding served up in English school dinners was and you know what some people listening might be go Helen it was delicious but, but it was quite sloppy and it had a really thick skin on it because it would be sitting in the kitchen for so long and then you'd have a big dollop of jam in the middle and I can smell it now and I think I need to try <laughs> I think I need to try yours. Well, mine I serve it with uh, lucuma ice cream. Uh, lucuma is a fruit from the Andes and um, I wanted to bring these because people are very curious about new fruits mm -hmm. uh, 
um, as well, it has uh, a, a toppings like um, puff rice, puff wild rice, uh, puff kiwi cha, which is known as amaranth as well. This sounds like a really lovely, I mean, I love the idea of a Sunday as well. But, you know, meeting people, discovering a whole new cuisine for some and having a chat with you guys as well. I've had a number of messages going how to book. So I guess that's my last question to you, Andrea. The Don Bueno Supper Club, how can people come along and enjoy it? So we are in the Splidu app platform. Uh, they can access through there and just book. If you have any questions, you can always reach out through our Instagram, which is donbueno.ae. There you go. If you want that, you can send me the word supper. You can send me the Colombian flag. A message here saying, will you do a Peruvian-Colombian fusion menu anytime soon? Yes, that's the question that everyone is asking. <laughs> And yes, Esteban and I are, are working on that. Okay, there you go. If you want details of the Don Bueno Supper Club, just send me the word supper. I will send you the link and you can get booked in. It sounds absolutely delicious. You've even got a playlist on the website. So thank you so yes. much. The full experience. Andrea, get back to, I was going to say, get back to Esteban. He's probably in the kitchen right now. Thank you so much thank for your you. time. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.